All right, it's the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast, and it is week one. We're going to preview the week, and we're going to have some rookie fever. The preferred fever to have these days. <laughs> have you got rookie fever, Jason? I've come down with a case of rookie fever. Ooh. Do you have to wear a mask if you have rookie fever? You always have to wear a mask now. It's preferred. It's yeah. a guideline, yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> Alright, everybody, we are less than 24 hours away from the NFL season. Can we get a cheers for that? Yeah, I think you can. Cheers to everybody. So, I am Jason Evans, joined as always by David Biggs. David, how you doing? On the line with us tonight is our rookie expert, Sean Foss. It's Sean, thanks for taking the time to join us tonight. Thanks for having me as always, guys. It's always a pleasure. Alrighty. Uh, so, Sean, uh, we got you on a little video chat tonight. Uh, it's just for us this week. You might be able to see us in future weeks if you're listening out in internet land. We were trying to put him on a big video chat on my TV screen, but then we decided that was too much Sean. That's a lot of Sean. Sort of scale back on the Sean. He had a little video chat right. on the laptop. He's screen. already directly being piped into my brain. <laughs> so, you know, but I, I saw you there with a glass bottle, Sean. What are you drinking? Ooh. Uh, I, uh, you know, it's, it's starting to feel like fall weather outside. It's, you know, it's September. Uh, I am drinking a Warsteiner Oktoberfest. Oh, very nice. Yes. Here in Chicago, they definitely, uh, changed the switch from summer to fall, uh, back on like Tuesday because it just started raining and now it's cold, not cold. It's awesome. I like it, but it's not summer anymore. (laughs) Yeah. It's nice. And, uh, over here at the studio, we've got the, Rogue Stout Double Chocolate. And um, it tastes phenomenal. And we'll have a few more uh, beers throughout the night. There's also a little bit of Four Roses that we were enjoying before the show started. Uh, Four Roses Bourbon is a very good one. Um, So we've got week one coming up. The games start on Thursday night. It's going to be the Chiefs and the Texans, which is a rematch of the playoff uh, divisional round, I believe. But we'll just touch on a few um, on a few bits of news. We see that in San Francisco, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel both did not practice on Wednesday. We go over you know injury reports on Wednesday night a lot. But the important thing, as always, with any team playing on Sunday, is whether or not the players practice on Friday. So, Sean, if Ayuk and Samuel don't go, uh, is there anybody like worth worrying about in San Francisco? I mean, they're still going to throw the ball to somebody if those guys are out. Um, I think the one name that would be really kind of – no, I guess it would be surprising, but um, Dante Pettis is a guy who the last two years had some hype and then really fizzled out last year. It wouldn't be surprising if suddenly he's forced into a role and actually plays well, um, you know, if he's gotten his head on straight since last year. But, I mean, Kendrick Bourne, Trent Taylor are both going to play as well, but that that offense is still going to run through Kittle and the running backs. But – someone's going to catch some passes at the receiver position if those guys are both out. Yeah, I mean, with eight pass attempts, Jimmy Garoppolo might not need to throw it to any wide receivers. Do you mean George Kittle is a, is a good selection at tight end this year? He's not so bad. <laughs> you could do worse. You could do a lot worse. Uh, 
Dari Ogunbowale got signed by the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was recently cut Bless you. by the tech, uh, the Bucks. So essentially, he and Leonard Fournette have switched places. I don't expect any starting action from Ogunbowale, and there's not really any fantasy value there at the moment. Um, but he was kind of one of your guys that you had picked in previous years uh, to be decent, right, Sean? You liked him coming out of college? Not necessarily coming out of college. Just last year, it looked like he was going to have a role as the receiving back, and he really was the third down back all year in Tampa, but it didn't result in a lot of receiving production. Now he goes to Jacksonville where they've got Chris Thompson ahead of him. Yeah, If if Thompson gets hurt, there's value there for him, but if not, I mean, Jay Gruden loves him some Chris Thompson, so I I I would expect Thompson to be I also love me some Chris Thompson. Yeah, I think we're all a fan of Chris Thompson over <laughs> here. I expect to see lots of him this year. David Montgomery was limited in Wednesday's practice here in Chicago. I sort of expected Montgomery to miss at least the first uh, week or two, but it seems as if it's possible that he will play on Sunday. And if he plays, he will get a lot of carries because, uh, as Roto World says, he's the only running back on the roster outside of someone named Ryan Nall. And I have no idea who Ryan Nall is. Sean, where did Ryan Nall go to college? I believe Oregon State. No, no. There's no way that that can be right. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, this is a surefire hey, stumper. Hey, hey. We're going to get him. Settle down, guys. I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty sure. I, I'm, I believe it was Oregon State. You can look it up to, to double check me. But the guy I think you should be looking at is the number two running back. Sean, what high school did Ryan Nall go to? I don't, I don't know that. Did he go to Oregon State? He, he did up. go to Oregon State. <laughs> Oh man! So yeah, you got to give the people uh, listening some background. So Sean, Sean is such a, a, a collegiate uh, aficionado and rookie expert for us that he's actually able to play this wonderful game where uh, if, if you tell him uh, the name of any player in the NFL, the statistical probability of him being able to tell you his alma mater is about ninety percent. I would say. Let's let's not get crazy. If it's a, a defensive player, my my chances of knowing it are a little lower. Fair. Uh, okay. Skill player, offensive skill players, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to know it. Though. Yeah, it's been very tough to stump you with fantasy players. I, I'm not yeah. sure we've ever done it with a fantasy player. I thought that was a. I thought I had that one. That felt like a slam dunk. Fred, I think you got me with Fred Jackson many years ago. Oh, okay. Co college, and it's like who know who is going to know that one? Who's going to know co college? Um, I've never forgotten it since you stumped me, though. <laughs> oh, well, you know, that's how you learn. So yeah. Mike Evans missed the pra- missed practice on Wednesday with a hamstring injury. They uh, That's a situation to monitor. Uh, you know, early in the season, you're not really going to know the – you have a feel for anybody's injuries. But if he doesn't play, then you need to make sure you bench him and put someone else in. I don't know that I would uh, go ahead and move someone else, elevate anybody else, uh, and you're going to be already starting Chris Godwin in that situation. Or if you have I think it elevates. I think it elevates Scotty Miller, who's going to be their s- typical slot receiver, into a more usable role. But I don't know that I see anybody else really kind of benefiting from Evans being out. Is Scotty uh, Miller going to be the next like Howard? Julian Edelman, Wes Welker? I don't think there's enough targets to go around after Gronkowski and Godwin and um, and Evans on the outside. I just don't think there's enough volume that'll go around to get the slot guy that kind of you know Edelman role. Okay, uh, so as always, keep an eye on the injury reports going into your team. Brandon Cooks was another guy who could be questionable. He is listed as questionable, in fact, officially, because they had to turn in a injury report today for tomorrow's game. 
So we won't know until 90 minutes before the game whether or not he's actually playing. This year, though, it's going to be very important to pay attention to the inactives at the start of the game because there could very well be more uh, than you would expect. And NFL teams are going to be able to pull guys up from the practice squad up to 90 minutes before the game as well, I believe. So as long as they're ready and at the stadium, then they'll be able to put them on the active roster if they need them. Yeah, important to pay attention like it always is. And in this particular year, I mean, we didn't talk about uh, any of these specifics yet. And I'm sure that that on Thursday night football and this Sunday, uh, most of what we're going to hear, unfortunately for me anyway, is going to be all about uh, uh, about COVID. And, you know, as, as, uh, as someone who has been paying real close attention, I don't need any reminders of what's going on out there. I want details and specifics. I wonder if the announcers are going to have some details and specifics uh, on hand that they're able to tell us about this pregame stuff that we're not familiar with, or if it's just going to be a whole lot of rhetoric and uh, maybe we should listen to music while we're watching football. I, I watch second screen all the time with football. Maybe not during the first week. But I second screen all the time during football. Um, but hey, all that matters is is uh, we're going to get some football on Thursday, like we're going to keep repeating. That's tomorrow from where we currently uh, sit. The game will uh, be in progress. One more, one more sleep away, guys. That's one sleep. One more sleep. I haven't said one sleep till something until uh, uh, since like uh, buying video games for Super Nintendo. I'm like one more sleep until Chrono Trigger comes out. You know, <laughs> good stuff. Uh, one other thing that we saw is that uh, Von Miller is not going to be playing, at least for the first several months of the year. So if you were counting on having the Broncos defense, then uh, that's just not nearly as good of a play as it would have been. And then uh, I guess we just say happy trails to Akib Talib and Ryan Shazier. A couple of defensive players who didn't matter a whole lot in fantasy, but um, you know they were important to their teams, and they're both retiring now. I love Ryan Shazier as a, as a Steelers fan. When they talk about him retiring after like uh, six or seven years in the NFL, that's not entirely true. But I, <laughs> but I understand. Uh, uh, I, I'm so, he only was in the NFL for four seasons. I mean, I'm so glad that uh, the Steelers kept him on the roster to uh, be able to, to have him recuperate, go through a bunch of expensive uh, physical therapy, and, and now the guy can run again. I don't think he should be a football player again, but I'm so glad that, that he can be you know, an active, uh, functioning human. Yes, that's an excellent... Uh, it's, a, it's a great story coming back from injury like that. Um, any other bits of news that you guys had your eyes on? Uh, for myself, not not really. I mean, we, we just finished up some drafts this past weekend, which was fantastic. And I know we did a couple more drafts than you thought we were actually going to do. Finished up all of our drafts. I wonder if around uh, fantasy football world, uh, and and uh, if, if people are out there listening to the podcast, shoot us an email at uh, Dave at Drink5, Jason at Drink5.com. Um, uh, tell us about your experience. And uh, this year, did you want to put some leagues on hiatus but ended up drafting them anyway? Did you have more or less leagues than previous years? Uh, I think people are excited to have um, to have sports that are starting from the beginning without major issues, and that's uh, that's where I'm going to stop that. Yeah, I mean we're we're on full tap stop. for a full season. Yep, exactly. We'll see what happens. Um. 
Are we waiting for some music? Let the beat drop. It always feels longer in the studio than it does when you listen. for all of the music and by the end of the season we actually had a couple people guess the correct theme and win some swag and i think um despite the postal service's best efforts they finally got the swag <laughs> it was totally their fault that it was late not our fault for ordering it much later than we should have. yeah we didn't delay for like it wasn't our fault that it, it took time several weeks that was no it, was it not wasn't several months even not nothing our, like that wasn't our problem the point is they got the swag and it was it was beautiful. It's the swaggiest swag. <laughs> so there is there are themes, but they're not necessarily uh, prize worthy nowadays. Uh, I, I do have a fire theme tonight. Thinking about all of our friends in the Northwest who are dealing with apocalyptic conditions. So I hope that everybody is safe and everybody's stuff is okay. Isn't everyone dealing with apocalyptic conditions at this point? Okay, imagine two <laughs> apocalyptic conditions at once. All of them. That's not fun. But <laughs> without uh, any more delay, we will get to what you all came here for tonight. Uh, Sean, we got some rookies to talk to you about tonight. You are a rookie expert. We want to know uh, what's going to happen with the rookies this year. So Sure. <laughs> I suppose that means that I should ask you some questions about rookies. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, sure. That's fine. Okay, like let's let, let, let's start at the top. Who do you like as your Rookie of the Year candidate? Who's in the best position to perform uh, the best this year? I mean, I think I think the obvious is going to be Clyde Edwards-Alaire from the Chiefs. I mean, he landed in a, probably – I mean, an offense that feels like it's tailor-made for his skill set. Um, you know, and he's been handed the starting job from day one. The one guy who really could have stood in the way of him having that full – you know, starting role opted out for COVID concerns, basically, uh, and Damian Williams. So, I mean, Edwards Alaire is going to be the number one guy. I mean, I think you're going to see other guys like Daryl Williams and maybe Darwin Thompson mix in a little. Um, but I mean, it, it's hard to imagine Edwards Alaire having a bad year, assuming he stays healthy. Um, Jonathan Taylor could maybe kind of creep in there as well if he takes that starting job early in the year and kind of edges out Marlon Mack. Uh, CD Lamb. I mean, the 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 Cowboys throw enough that he could certainly be very involved. And we all know how good the Rams running game was with Todd Gurley. If Cam Akers can take that job and run with it, those are probably the three guys that have the best shot of taking that rookie of the year crown from Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but Edwards-Alaire is the obvious front runner. Okay. Uh, so um, do you see maybe Burrow being someone who can break out and do it? Because I know last year Murray won the offensive rookie of the year, but before that you have to go all the way back to RG3. To have a quarterback. Oh, sorry, Dak Prescott. Um, never mind. Uh, it's not as rare as I quite thought. Um, <laughs> I mean, Burrow. Burrow has a chance at a very good year. The weapons around him are solid. Um, I mean, especially if AJ Green finally stays healthy for a full season. Um, but again, with that, their offensive line is a little shaky, and they're not expected to be a good football team. It's hard to see if they go five and eleven or six and ten, even if he has a strong statistical year him winning rookie of the year over a guy who's an integral part of an, of an offensive, a winning team. 
Um, yeah, I suppose winning has something to do with it. Although the Cardinals and the Giants had were the representative teams for Rookie of the Year the last couple of years, and they don't win a lot of games recently. That's very true, but those guys also had otherworldly kind of stat lines compared to the other rookies. I think I think really you could make an argument that Josh Jacobs deserved it last year too. I concur. I thought he had a very good year. Then again, it's not like he was on a team uh, that went very far, so that could be part AJ, of the, AJ that Brown, could be a detriment. Another one that you know probably deserved it over Kyler Murray. AJ Brown reminds me of when they want to put people in the Hall of Fame, but they're not actually Hall of Famers. He's in the Hall of Very Good. Um, he could be, you know, the top offensive talent in his class at some point, but I don't think A.J. Brown is quite there yet. I mean, it's been one year. We'll give it time and see if he keeps doing it. <laughs> uh, okay, so give me a sleeper rookie, a guy that you were maybe targeting during your drafts this year that um, you like, you know, you liked from the later rounds that you think could make an impact. Uh, one of my favorites this year that I've gotten in, I think, every draft that I've done is uh, Josh Kelly from the Chargers. Um, he, was, he played at UCLA last year and, and, and ran for over 1,000 yards there and then landed in a really really good spot for what his skill set is. Um, he, I mean, obviously Austin Eakler is going to be the lead back in, in L.A. for the Chargers. Um, but, uh, but Melvin Gordon left in the offseason and had a huge role for that team when he was in there last year. And it's not like Eakler is going to suddenly be a 20-plus touch every single week kind of running back. Um, I think that Kelly has a chance pretty early in the year uh, to take that early down role um, and take a lot of those carries away from Eakler and, and have a pretty good have a pretty good rookie season. And you can get him in pretty much the last or second to last round of your drafts. Um, okay, so uh, what I want to remind everyone is that they should be checking out our website on a weekly basis because Sean does a weekly rookie report where he has the most comprehensive breakdown of all the rookies that I can find on the internet. Um, anybody who you need to worry about as far as fantasy football goes. So I, I pulled up the list here that you posted uh, back on, uh, I think over the weekend, uh, you, you got your first article up. And um, I, I don't have time because uh, I have to go to sleep at some point tonight to go over the entire list. Um, but I do want to ask you about a few of these guys. So sure. guys who you really like, uh, we'll start with that group. We got Tua Tungavailoa. Am I right with that pronunciation? Yeah. Okay, it's a lot uh, harder than Eckler, I have to say. Like the tongue in your mouth? Tungavailoa. Okay. Yeah, Tungovailoa. There's no, there's no N anywhere in his name, but it's pronounced Tungovailoa. Yeah. Tungovailoa. So, obviously, we're going to see Ryan Fitzpatrick start for Miami in week one. I suspect that Fitzpatrick plays at least a month. Um, he's a good enough quarterback to uh, start for a while. Do you see Tua as a guy who is going to be uh, fantasy relevant this year or just in the future? I think this year. Um, I think there's a very I, – I don't think that Fitzpatrick – I mean, Fitzpatrick very well could play well and last longer than a month as the starter. Like, you know, you mentioned at least a month. But we've seen bad Fitzpatrick. We've seen Ryan Fitzpatrick throw four picks in a game. Well, you it know, happens. You know when this happens, Sean. We it, have seen Fitz tragic. I agree. It's not even just a thing you've seen. It's a pattern. What happens is he plays for two to four games, and then he's horrible. That's what will happen here as well. Which is he, why he I expected to go at least a month. Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> uh, 
you look at his schedule and he gets a tough Patriot secondary week one. Yeah, you might... know, I mean, the guy, he's got uh, still coming off an ACL injury. Preston Williams is one of his two top wide receivers and gets a really tough secondary. I think there's a chance he does not do well the first couple weeks of the season. Um, we've seen him where he has those really rough games. He's not afraid to throw it downfield, but that can get him into trouble. And if it does early in the year and they drop the first couple games badly, I could see Tua playing in the first month of the season. And he is, I think, better than Joe Burrow. I think he is the best rookie quarterback in the league this year. And if he gets a chance, there's enough skill at wide receiver and tight end and running back on that team uh, for him to make an impact and be fantasy relevant in you know the second, third, fourth month of the season, especially for two quarterback leagues. I think if you are in a two quarterback league right now and he's available – pick him up as your third quarterback because I think once he gets in the lineup, he's going to be a valuable player. All right. A guy that could possibly have a, a large fantasy impact right away, uh, Antonio Gibson in Washington for the Washington football team. Um, tell us about him because we saw that Adrian Peterson got moved away. Is he going to be the starter there in Washington? I don't think from I don't think week one that he's going to be the the lead back there. I think you're still going to see Peyton Barber be the lead guy on early downs, um, and and we've seen in the past couple seasons that at least JD McKissick can be a, a respectable third down running back. Um, but I think Gibson right now probably has the leg up for the third down work and is probably number two behind Barber for the early down work. So he's certainly the best bet of the four backs they have there of being the guy. Um, but his his college profile he's really limited in terms of how much experience he has running the ball out of the backfield um lavisca chenault who's a rookie wide receiver this year had nine more carries in his college career as a wide receiver than antonio gibson had in his whole college <laughs> so gibson is i mean he played mostly wide receiver i think he had 33 carries in college or something in that ballpark he averaged like eight yards a carry i don't have the numbers in front of me but he had a very efficient rate uh, when he did run the ball uh, but he also was a dynamic receiver. So he's got a pretty well-rounded skill set, but the transition to being a full-time running back may take him a few weeks into the season before he's kind of getting that early down work that Barber will probably open the year getting. Okay, so uh, we can move right on to LaVisca Chenault then. Uh, he is in Jacksonville. He's also a wide receiver. Uh, tell us about him. I, I don't know anything about him, to be honest. Um, so LaVisca Chenault's really an interesting player. I mean, he reminds me a little bit of – uh, Debo Samuel in terms of his, his physical build he's he's stockier like a running back um, but he's he's shifty in the open field um, he was a guy who two years ago actually probably going into last year was considered one of the top 10 skill position prospects in the draft uh, I mean he was a really highly thought of wide receiver and then injuries and kind of a lack of production last year really kind of were a hit to his his standing in terms of you know fantasy outlook as a rookie coming in um but he landed in a place where as bad as the jaguars are going to be there's going to be a ton of opportunity um his versatility is going to help him get up get you know op opportunities to maybe even run the ball a little bit um because he has some experience doing that as well And the running back room in jacksonville is as inexperienced as they come um other than chris thompson really i mean dare's had a year or two as a third down back but the other guys are talking about an, uh, an undrafted rookie in James Robinson and then Divine Ozigbo, who's been like a third or fourth string running back in his year or two in the NFL. Um, 
the versatility that Chenault has and his ability to kind of catch and, and make things happen after the catch are going to make him really valuable and a nice compliment to Chark as kind of the deep threat on the outside. I think Chenault ends up being the second best fantasy player in Jacksonville aside from quarterback. Interesting. Interesting. That's a that's quite the endorsement when they've got a guy like yeah. DJ Chark who obviously had a very good year last year. Um, so Cam Akers, I, I saw today that Coach McVay, who we all saw on um, on Hard Knocks, uh, I, I just want to digress here for a moment. I watched the entire season of Hard Knocks as I do every year now, and one thing I really noticed is that Anthony Lynn feels like a real person, and Sean McVay feels like a football cliche. And that doesn't mean he's bad at his job. He's very good at his job, clearly. But when whenever uh, Sean McVay does something, it feels like exactly what you would expect a football person to do. And whenever Anthony McVay, or uh, Anthony Lynn is doing something, he's smoking meats. Or when he cuts guys, he like actually talks to them about what they do and how they can improve and and wants to help them still. This is uh, the emotional side of uh, of Hard Knocks from Jason. I would just call it a human side. Well, that's all. It just means that they're not filming that about Sean. I don't want to like the Chargers, <laughs> but I kind of did after that. He probably doesn't, he probably doesn't smoke meats because he doesn't strike me as uh, that uh, that patient of a of a man. McVeigh. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, <laughs> I will say, Hard Knocks loves to humanize and make fan yeah. favorites of the guys who aren't going to make the team. And it's, yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure, man. Spoiler alert, that was like the entire rest of the uh, episode last night. Like, the second half of the episode was just all of the cuts of all of the players that they spotlighted. Well, how can you, you know, what what better to uh, elicit some kind of emotion from viewers than to follow those people that you know are, are underperforming, right? That's amazing. Of right. course, HBO's been doing this for how many years? Like 13 years? They know exactly. The people who are doing well, like they're exactly just what they're doing. doing the same practice every day, kicking everybody's ass. They might even ask, like Sean McVay is like, give me a list of the guys we should spotlight because uh, you know you're going to cut them. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to be here. We'll give you some answers. Not going not gonna to work here we'll anymore. Give, we'll give Aaron Donald or, uh, well, you know, no they did, Aaron Donald or Cam Hayward. They the did do a lot of Aaron Donald stuff, which surprised me and was nice. Um, but it was all mostly just like, look at how amazing Aaron Donald is, everybody. Which is good content for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh, going back to my original question, McVeigh has said that he wants to start the season with a three-headed monster. What are the chances, you think, of Cam Akers being good enough to take over that job? I think they're pretty good. I think, um, you know, the guy – so. I think Malcolm Brown was listed as the starter for week one, but I think that's more of kind of a nominal title. I don't think he is the clear-cut starter. I think of Malcolm Brown the way that – I think the Rams think of him the way the Texans thought of Alfred Blue. He's just a guy who (laughs) you know he's he's a professional and is going to do what's asked of him, but he's not good enough to kind of take the job and run with it. And so he's just kind of there to make sure that it's kind of a backstop in case things go wrong with the starting guys. Um, but I think Akers is the better back of the top two. And I think he's better suited for what the Rams like to do as an offense. Uh, and I think he's going to probably stand out early in the season and, and kind of push Daryl Henderson to the side. I mean, there's there's a chance Henderson kind of takes the role as well, but I think Akers is, is pretty clearly the front runner for me in terms of which one of those guys you want in fantasy. I think he is the best of the trio. 
Um, and I don't think it'll take too long into the season for him to show that. I mean, maybe even week one. All right. One more guy from your buy guys, your buying list that I want to mention right now. There's another guy who I want to bring up later, but first is Brian Edwards of the Las Vegas Rams. Um, it looks Raiders. to me. Yes. The Raiders, the R threw me <laughs> off. We were just talking about the Rams. The Las Vegas Raiders look to me like they have a very confusing room of wide receivers. Can Brian Edwards be the best one there? The most productive one, I should say. I think, I think, yes, he can. Um, you know, I, I don't agree that, that it's a confusing wide receiver room. I think they have a lot of cast offs from other teams that didn't really match their draft capital. Uh, like Zay Jones and Nelson Aguilar, who are really not going to factor in too much what the Raiders are doing. I think you're looking at, or actually one of the Raiders' own ones, Marcel Aitman, who, again, I just don't think those guys are going to factor in much. I think that the, the three guys that are going to start with Tyrell Williams on IR, it's going to be Ruggs, it's going to be Edwards, and it's going to be Renfro. Um, I think that's the trio that's going to be your one, two, and three, barring injury for most of the season. Um, that must the be the Ruggs, youngest starters in the league. More for, than likely. For the I mean, position. Renfro might not be that young because he played a full four years in college. It felt like he was at Clemson forever. Um, so he might not be all that young. Um, now you're just showing off with the college knowledge. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> um, but uh, Ruggs is an interesting guy because he has this crazy deep speed, but most of his game is kind of in the short part of the field where he can kind of run after the catch. Um, but that's something that the Raiders already have a lot of. I mean, Darren Waller kind of excels in the short to intermediate part of the field. Renfro is good in the short part of the field. They love to throw to their running backs. I mean, for some reason they brought in like three receiving backs in the offseason uh, and then had a visit with Ogun Bawali before he signed with Jacksonville. Like they love having a lot of receiving backs. Um, so a lot of those guys kind of excel in that same short part of the field. Edwards is the one guy who's kind of more of an intermediate guy. I think he does kind of stand out, uh, and Derek Carr loves him. He's compared him to uh, James Jones, who he played with in Oakland, and then also to Devontae Adams, who he played with in college. Um, I mean, he loves loves Brian Edwards so far. I think Edwards has a very real shot, at least to lead the team in catches, if not fantasy points. Uh, he and Ruggs are clearly one and two in that passing attack. Aside, I mean, Waller's still going to be Waller, but those are clearly your one and two receivers. All right. Um, so let's move on. You have a category called guys you're selling. I, I'm going to assume, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that these are guys who you don't like their their draft value specifically, not to say yeah, that you so, don't like them. So specifically with, with that article that you're kind of citing for these players, what I, what I was basically saying is buying or selling at their ADP. So where they're Got being it. drafted in fantasy leagues, am I targeting them to try to reach above that? Am I saying I'm not taking them at that? Or am I saying they're priced about right? Um, so the ones I'm selling are guys that are going higher than I would consider them. Okay, so that was definitely um, guys not necessarily that you don't like, that you don't think are going to perform. So if you do wind up with a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on your team, uh, it's a must-start, right? Oh, of course. I mean, until he gives you a reason not to start him, you keep starting him. Um, the reason I listed him in that area is because I wouldn't reach into the first round for him, and he's going in the first round of almost every draft I've seen him. Everything, in. everywhere I saw, he went in the first round. In fact, we're in a two-quarterback dynasty league, and you would expect with two uh, potential uh, franchise quarterbacks going as rookies this year, you would expect one of them to go first overall, but no, it was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire 
which was a very interesting pick, and we'll see how it pays off. But uh, he was definitely the number one dynasty prospect this year that I saw. Um, so in, in this category, we can just touch on a few of these guys. Now that we don't really worry about their draft value, uh, what we really worry about is how they're going to do week one, week two. Uh, so you got Jerry Judy in Denver. Um, Jerry was probably the wide receiver I liked the most coming out of this draft. Do you think that he'll be able to start producing right away? So I think he's talented. I think he's a better all-around receiver than Henry Ruggs, who went higher than he did in the draft. Cortland's the guy um, there, though, I, so he's got some uh, uh, stepping up to be WR2. Do you agree with that? Um, You mean wide receiver two on the team or from a fantasy perspective? No, on, on the on team. The and you've got a Denver uh, offense that runs a lot and Drew Locke, who's somewhat inaccurate. So uh, those are all things that I see as, as being issues yeah. for Judy. For me, yeah, it's, it's an issue of, of just there's not enough volume to go around, most likely. Um, you know, you have a team that wants to run first. I mean, they've got – they brought in – so, first of all, they, they have back their, their number one running back, wide receiver, and tight end from last year. And then they went out and they draft – or they, they signed Melvin Gordon. In, or I don't – was it a trade or a sign in free – I think it was free agency. I think it was right? a signing, yeah. Sure. So, they bring in Melvin Gordon but didn't get rid of Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman – so they have a three-headed monster at running back. I think Gordon and Lindsey are going to be the guys, but they're going to run a lot. They have Fant, who is due for a jump in targets. They've got Cortland Sutton, who's one of the best young receivers in the league, who's still going to get 120-plus targets with no problem. Um, and then they also drafted K.J. Hamler, who is going to be their number three receiver once he's healthy. Um it's just a matter of is there enough volume to go around to make Judy worth where he's being drafted in fantasy leagues, and I didn't think that there that will be. Um, I just think that that offense still wants to be run first, and we still don't know if Drew Locke is really any good. Okay, uh, so checking out the Packers, they drafted AJ Dillon at running back this year. Do Aaron Jones owners have to worry about AJ Dillon cutting into his production, or is he mostly going to be replacing Jamal Williams? I would I would say I wouldn't be too worried if I'm an Aaron Jones uh, if I have Aaron Jones on my roster I think he's still going to be um, by far the best fantasy running back of that group um, I think Williams is certainly going to see his workload cut into by Dylan but in the initial depth chart they're showing Dylan as the third running back uh, and Jamal Williams still is number two um, if Dylan can pick up the 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 pass rush. Uh, and, and show that he can be an effective pass protector for Aaron Rodgers. I think that is going to get him on the field uh, and really start helping him cut into Jamal Williams' load. But I think that Aaron Jones is the guy that you want there. Um, don't fall prey to the, the photos of Dylan from the offseason of him with the monster tree trunk legs. <laughs> it, it doesn't mean anything for what he's going to do on the field. As you say, it rem- oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, that reminds you, as you said in the article, uh, of the opposite of what you'd get from Eddie Lacy. Yeah, I mean, every year you get a photo of Eddie Lacy looking like he put on 30 pounds in the offseason. Meanwhile, the, the photos of A.J. Dillon are, look at how incredible, like what the crazy shape this guy's in. He was actually a very good between the tackle runner at Boston College in, co- you know, in college. Hmm. Um, but I still think that as long as Aaron Jones is there, he's still going to be the guy you want for fantasy. And I don't think he's going to see a big drop off this year. The only real concern with Jones is just the the natural touchdown regression he's likely to see this year. I mean, he scored what sixteen touchdowns last year? Eighteen, I, I think. think. 
I think it's very hard to see him duplicating that, but I don't think that's going to be specifically because of Dylan. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that he is. So it was 16 rushing, three receiving, so 19 total uh, to lead the league. That is impressive. Right. I, the I, rushing number is what was in here. <laughs> yeah, I expect a lot of these guys, because only 1,000 yards rushing, you know, I expect him to regress in that aspect. Um, so we talked about Joe Burrow a bit. Uh, I, my favorite rookie this year is Jonathan Taylor. Um, tell me why you have him on like three teams. I should stay on the hype train. <laughs> yes. It's definitely because I have him on three teams. You'd be afraid of Marlon Mack, sir. <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly, I really do like what Taylor can do. I mean, he, I mean, was an incredible player in college. Um, I mean, he almost ran for 2000 yards three times in a row. I think his freshman year, he went for like 1960 or something like that. And then was above 2000 as a sophomore and junior before going pro. Uh, and the thing with that is he played for Wisconsin. They didn't have a passing game. Really. You knew that Taylor was going to get the ball most of the time and defenses still couldn't stop him. I mean, he was just a one man wrecking crew in college and as much as the the Colts probably do like Marlon Mack, I mean, he's been an effective starter for them the last couple seasons. At some point, Taylor's talent is going to win out, and he's going to be the lead guy in Indy. You don't draft him where they drafted him to sit behind Marlon Mack. Um, I, I know, do I know that, that must be hard for you, Sean, because you have uh, Marlon Mack I, on a dynasty I league. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, but I will also say this. One reason why I think that Taylor is probably priced correctly, I think he's being drafted at the right point in drafts, is because it's not like he's going to necessarily supplant Mack right out of the gate. It's going to take a couple weeks for that to happen. And the Colts uh, head coach, Frank Reich, loves to kind of have those specific roles for his running backs. And Naheem Hines is still going to be their third down guy. They're still going to utilize him as a receiver out of the backfield. And since Taylor is not going to have that third down work, it's going to hurt him a little bit in PPR and half PPR leagues. Uh, and I think that's where I'm yeah. like, I'm not, I don't necessarily want to reach into the top couple rounds to make sure that I get Taylor. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. I definitely have him on several teams. I will be watching closely. Uh, so. I mean, one, he's going to be great. Don't worry. Week one, I think, against Jacksonville, I think you're going to enjoy. Oh, this is the Jacksonville okay. of old that's not very good on defense. That's it's... good advice, by Bring the it. way. Bring it. Because I I just sort of assume that a rookie guy may not be thrown in right away. Um, but, yeah, you have a good point. With Jacksonville I mean, as the matchup, you should go for it. I think if they're up multiple scores, he, he gets some run. He said, just go for it. Just go for it. Just go for it. <laughs> so, Burrow, we are going to see him start week one, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, those he, guys, can sink or swim right away, buddy. He's the only rookie quarterback that will be playing week one. Justin Herbert will sit. Tua will sit. Jordan Love won't play at all this year, I would assume. Well, you know who's the Bar- – the- the right. backup in in the Bengals, right? Uh, they're not gonna they're not gonna bring out Ryan Finley, I don't think. Jordan Love won't even start if Aaron <laughs> Rodgers goes down. Jordan uh, Love, Jordan Love isn't even on that team anymore. Tim Boyle is the <laughs> listed as the backup. They uh, Rodgers drank so much tequila and yelled so much at the coach that they just dropped Jordan Love. He's gone. He's gone. <laughs> the reports out of camp weren't great for him. <laughs> no, they weren't. I mean. He looked worse from an accuracy standpoint than Josh Allen, which is not great. (laughs) 
Um, who else do we need to talk about here? We got CD Lamb, who joins one of the best, or, or or joins in order to create one of the best wide receiver rooms in the league now with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. So CD Lamb, there's going to be a lot of mouths to feed on Dallas, but is he going to be fantasy relevant uh, in the early part of the season? Yes. If you have him, week one might be a good time to get him in your lineup. <laughs> um, Even against the one, uh, Rams? Yes, because Jalen Ramsey is going to be following Amari Cooper around the field. Jalen, new money, Ramsey. New money, Ramsey. Ram, Ramsey loves to challenge alpha wide receivers, and he's they're going to they're gonna let him follow Amari Cooper around, which is going to open things up for Gallup and CeeDee Lamb. I mean, the Cowboys are one of the pass-heaviest offenses in the league, and adding Mike McCarthy as their head coach isn't going to change that. Um, <laughs> they kept Kellen Moore on as their offensive coordinator, but remember, there were probably three or four seasons in Green Bay where the Packers had three top 30 or top 35-ish wide receivers for fantasy. I think you're going to see that again from Dallas this year. Uh, and I think it starts early. I mean, Lamb, in all honesty, might be the most talented receivers on that team. Um, but there's a lot of hype for Blake Jarwin as a kind of an, a tight end now that there's a lot of targets vacated by Jason Witten leaving. Um, but I think that Lamb is probably going to take more of those than Jarwin does. I think you're going to see all three of those receivers be heavily involved. Um, but Lamb is a guy you should be targeting, I think, in fantasy drafts. Uh, I mean, obviously the drafts are probably over unless <laughs> you're doing one at the very last minute. Um, but week one is a week that you should absolutely be targeting playing Lamb uh, and targeting for, targeting him for DFS as well, daily, daily fantasy leagues. Um, you know, he's, I think, in DraftKings going for $4,100 week one, and it's not out of the realm of possibility that he goes for triple-digit yards. Okay. Uh, so a guy on a team with lots of injury at wide receiver is Jalen Rager, drafted by the Eagles. Um, was he, he on Game of Thrones? Was he um, uh, Was he a, a Rhaegorian? Jalen Rager Targaryen. <laughs> Indeed, yes. I'm sorry. It's, I'm about four years too late for Game of Thrones jokes on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it only ended a year ago. I know. Yeah, I, know. I mean, you, that, would, that would make sense if you said like a Walking Dead joke. People stopped four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Just because they stopped watching it. Uh, so what do you like about Rhaegor? 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 Help me out here. Rhaegor. Rhaegor? Uh, okay. Rhaegor is great. It sounds like a He-Man uh, uh, character. Yes. I'm into Defender it. Defender of the universe. Exactly. Defender of the so Eagles. The... Master of the universe? <laughs> Master of the, the thing... city of Philadelphia? The thing about Rager is this. So the Eagles love to have kind of guys with speed at receiver that can stress the defense. And last year they severely lacked it. Uh, Deshaun Jackson was great week one, right? He had two catches that went for 50-yard-plus touchdowns in the first game of the season. And then he got hurt, and he yeah. missed most of the rest of the year. And they realized they don't really have anyone else who can do the things that Deshaun Jackson could do. Uh, I mean, they're dealing with J.J. Ar- Ortega-Whiteside and uh, Alshon Jeffrey when he was healthy, uh, Aguilar, uh, and the tight ends. I mean, they, Greg Ward, they were really running on empty in terms of guys who could burn you deep and had that kind of speed. And so they made it a priority to upgrade that in the offseason. Obviously, they're hopeful Deshaun Jackson will be healthy this year, but he's also, I think, 33 years old, and you know we'll see if he still has it. Uh, and his injury history does lead you to believe that maybe he won't be healthy all season. But they also drafted Rager. 
They drafted John Hightower, who's another guy I actually like, especially in the early going, while Jeffrey and Rager are hurt, um, to be a deep threat for them. And they also brought in a, a Marquise Goodwin, who's literally a world-class track athlete in addition to being a good wide receiver. Uh, and so I think Goodwin opted out for the season, out, though, right? But you yeah. can see more or less what their strategy was. They wanted to add some speed to the wide receiver room, and Rager does that, and they have first-round draft capital invested in him. He's going to play. He's going to play a lot once he's healthy, and he has the kind of talent that can that can be fantasy productive, especially if, if they're going to push the ball downfield, which is something Doug Peterson likes to do. Mm-hmm. Are you going to leave out the AAF star, Greg Ward? Oh, the AAF. I did mention him briefly. <laughs> We saw Ward last year, though. He's not a guy who's going to put up, you know, three catches for 70 yards. He's going to put up eight catches for 40. I mean, yeah, no, you're very true. In the yards that he got, he's not a guy who's going to stretch the field downfield. Can you guys? You know what Im- I mean, and that's what he can do. Can you guys imagine if the AAF was this year instead of uh, of a couple of years ago? It would have stopped before it even started. It would have been amazing. It would have been like the XFL, which played for like two weeks. <laughs> Well, they are trying to reboot the. Uh, didn't The Rock buy the XFL? I think they're going to try and reboot that. The yeah, X- he got it for like pennies on the dollar. The XFL has a cooler name, and so clearly celebrities are more interested in it. The AAF is not a thing. The AAF not was really trying hard to be like a minor <laughs> league for football. Yeah, except NFL never wanted it and said completely the whole time that they would not do it. Yeah, it's very true. <laughs> so, a few players that have made NFL rosters. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So I do want to remind everybody <laughs> that Sean's article is available on drink5.com. There are lots of players that I'm skipping by because we just don't have time to talk about everybody. Yeah. I do want to get to one more guy. He is on your deep league flyers list. A guy who uh, got talked up a bit because we watch hard knocks is Van Jefferson on the Rams. Um, it, that's a crowded receiver room, but it seems like Van Jefferson might have a prominent role. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a crowded receiver room, but it's a team that plays three wide receivers more than just about any team in the league. Um, they play with a, a spread-out offense. I mean, that may change this year with the way Higby broke out last season. Um, they may want to go a lot of Higby and Everett together, but I think they're still going to stick to that same three wide receiver set as their base. And uh, it looks like Jefferson's already beaten out Josh Reynolds. They lost Brandon Cooks. So if he's number three, he's going to be on the field. Um, and there were a lot of reports out of camp that he was beating out uh, Jalen Ramsey head to head in camp. I mean, in a, on a lot of snaps, they had a great battle uh, in camp on a lot of plays. Uh, I was not high on Van Jefferson going into the draft. I mean, I think he's 24 as a rookie. He's an older guy, um, but he just, it seems like from what I've heard, and he's not an exceptional athlete. He's not crazy fast or anything like that, or a quick twitch athlete. But he has a great feel for the game. His dad, Sean Jefferson, played in the NFL for quite a while. Uh, and clearly, it rubbed off on him. He's got a feel for the game that's clearly showing out in camp. Um, he's going to be on the field, I think, a fair amount pretty early on as a rookie. I think that's that's accurate, man. And and uh, with his dad, Sean Jefferson, and his uncle, Van Wilder, I mean, he has a good, he's got a good track record there. Is that how names work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sean, give me just one more rookie that I didn't mention that you were hoping that I would bring up. Oh, geez. Is there that's anybody? Is there here. is there anybody that that is on your mind that we didn't get to that you wanted to talk about? 
If not, um, if I caught everybody, you could just say, Jason, you did a wonderful job hosting and presenting uh, the information that you wanted to get across. Oh, boy. <laughs> one, one other guy I want to mention, he's not on a great team, but he's going to get opportunities. Denzel Mims from the Jets is a guy that I like a lot. Um, you know, you he must has, like him if he's on the Jets. He's got size, he's got speed, and he landed in a wide receiver room that the number one guy is Brashad Perriman. Um there's just not a lot of competition for playing time. He's got a, he had a hamstring issue. Uh, so he missed a lot of camp, but it looks like he's going to be healthy enough to play week one. And so he should get caught up fairly quickly. Obviously the jets are going to be bad, but that means they're going to be throwing it quite a bit. And I think Mims has a real chance to be their number one receiver by the end of the year. Um, and again, another guy you can get at the either could have got at the tail end of your draft or probably can find on your waiver wire a week or two in. Oh, for he's sure. the type of guy who could be like McLaurin or Chark where he has a big week early in the season and everyone's on him on the waiver wire. You could pick him up maybe this week and be a week ahead of the rush or two weeks ahead of the rush. You know what I mean? Okay. Very nice. I hope that he does well so I can pull the Mimsy quote hey, from South Park. Don't talk bad about my guy Jameson Crowder, man. <laughs> Crowder's a fucking stud over there. I, you're right. I left out Crowder. Crowder in, the, but Crowder in the slot's not direct competition to Mims and Perriman. I mean – Crowder's going to get his targets, but someone on the outside has to. Oh yeah. He's not, he's not that kind of receiver. Yeah. All right. I agree. Yep. So thank you, Sean, for bestowing us with all of your rookie knowledge. Remember to check back every week, everybody in order to uh, learn about the rookies. And uh, you will of course remain with us for the rest of the, the show, but I just wanted to say thank you uh, uh, and and tie a little bow on our rookie segment here. What a guy, what a guy. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm sticking with you. <laughs> All right, let's let's go get another beer. No, please do, please do. Jason goes and grabs us some beers. Thank you very much, Jason, by the way. Uh, I am going to go ahead and talk about the rankings a little bit. So last year, uh, the draft rankings, we actually finished as uh, as a website number six overall out of uh, 150 to 200 fantasy experts. And I think uh, we should be very proud about that fact. So if you look up uh, fantasypros.com, uh, Drink 5 is right up there with the best of them. And shout out to those guys, you know, uh, Sean Corner, for example, I think he's over at Stats, um, John Polson from 4 for 4, uh, uh, Pat Fitzmaurice, like there's a lot of really good uh, experts out there that continue to, to be in that top 5, top 10 every year. I hope to join those guys and we'll see if that works or not, uh, but that's my intention. Now, uh, in doing the rankings uh, every draft and every week uh, subsequent to the draft, fantasypros.com which is a, a website that I contribute to and and they're the ones that, that rank all the experts for the uh, for the job that they do each week slotting them into the right positions have started to add a couple of extra things to the mix and this year one of those extra things is sleepers so now a fantasy experts have been asked to pick uh, a series of sleepers where they define sleepers as 
players that fall outside of the expert consensus ranking, which is the uh, the aggregate, uh, the average of all of the experts on that website, uh, over a certain point for each position. Now, I'm going to just go over that real quickly. Uh, for quarterbacks, that means outside of the top 15. For running back, that means outside of the top 45. For wide receivers, that means outside the top 55. And tight ends outside top 15 and defense outside top 10. So I just thought I would share with everybody what my picks are for sleepers this year. And I may not be correct, and I'm probably not on a lot of these guys. <laughs> However, uh, if if I can be you know 40-50% correct uh, with sleepers, then that would make me kind of a badass. So uh, this is uh, what I've spent some time thinking about. And uh, something interesting that Fantasy Pros does too is there's two quarterbacks... Uh, four running backs, four wide receivers, two tight ends, and a defense. So I'm going to go over them real quickly. Uh, but they also rank them, and they have you rank them, which means uh, however closely uh, I get closer to that uh, that um, draftable spot from wherever they are in the ADP, I get more points for that. You know what I mean? Sure. So uh, for some it's of these weighted. guys, I would like for them to... Uh, to do better than their their average draft position, their ECR ranking. But um, if they happen to do way better, uh, as opposed to just a little bit better, I get more points for that. So let's go over it real quickly, and then I'm going to ask you guys to weigh in on it too. Don't want to spend too much time, uh, and I want another beer. So I'm going to try to uh, to breeze over it after a short description. This beer is like the complete opposite of what we were drinking, so I recommend trying to get as much as you can out of your glass. We had we had uh, this crazy stout before, and now we're into a the rogue double chocolate stout. Now we've got a noon whistle fuzzy smack Berliner Weiss with peach. Uh, noon whistle is a uh, small local brewery. I like it. Sounds, As opposed to the Rogue that we just mentioned. It sounds Germany, citrusy, and delicious. Rogue being in the land of fires at the moment. <laughs> the land of fires. That's the West Coast. The Pacific Northwest, yeah. Like Northern <laughs> California and Oregon are, are really burning up. So, quarterbacks. Uh, first guy that I have in mind here is Jared Goff. Jared Goff, QB 17 ECR. Uh, the defense in L.A. is worse than it was the previous year. The running game is unstable there after the loss of Todd Gurley. We just talked about this, uh, where uh, Cam Akers may uh, may come in and and be the guy. Uh, obviously, they have Austin. I, by the way, is it Eckler or Eckler? Is it Eckler? Got to be. Eckler. I've always called him, I've always said Eckler, but it, maybe it is Eckler. We've always said Eckler, so we would have to decide that at some point. Well, on Hard Knocks, it was Eckler. Was it? It probably is Eckler. But I'll then. see if I can find one of those pronunciation, or one of those media guides. I mean, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm probably He's like, because I, I was like, oh, he's going to eke it out again, isn't he? I, uh, I'm i not sure. That's him, yeah. <laughs> um, so so uh, they have Eckler, uh, and they have Cam Akers, and, uh, you know, the, 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 whole, the whole point. Wrong, wrong LA for Eckler. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Uh, we're talking about uh, Malcolm Braun, uh, Brown and uh, Daryl Henderson. Um, yes. So I just wanted to ask you about your pronunciation is, is the reason I brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> and then you started talking about him like he's a ram oh god okay so we're both wrong that's that's what we're talking about here um 
Point is, uh, we're not sure how the running game is going to go. The defense is not uh, as good as it was uh, in previous years. That should result in Goff being among the passing leaders again in the league, which he has been over the past couple of years. So top 10 upside definitely, even though he's being drafted at his QB 17. Uh, you also talked a little bit about their receivers, uh, I'm pretty sure, just a, a, several minutes ago. And I don't know what exactly is going to happen there, but we know they're going to throw the ball, and it's going to be more than it was last year. So I, I see that his ranking is simply uh, lower than it should be right now as I see it. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a quarterback that doesn't run at all, they're not an exciting <laughs> And And Goff, I mean, when you look at him in terms of, like, is he one of the best quarterbacks in the league, the thought process is no because he's terrible under pressure. Like, he, when he's pressured, he's not great. But the thing is, they throw enough, and the scheme is good enough, and the talent around him is good enough. He's going to put up fantasy points. Um, so, yeah, he's not an exciting pick, but I'd be surprised if he's not at least a top 12 quarterback at the end of the year. Yep, yeah, me too. So, so I, I we agree on that. That's great. Jason, have any passing thoughts on that? I agree with you guys. Okay. Teddy... You're all very smart and intelligent people. <laughs> Ted, <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater is my, my second one. And uh, before we get into uh, uh, why that is, just keep in mind that he's currently the ECR of QB 26. Uh, you know, out of 32 teams that have starting quarterbacks. So any higher than I get than 26 gives me some points. Um, <laughs> Carolina's defense is also worse than it was last year. There's a, a bunch of guys that are that are not there that have left, etc. Uh, they have talented receivers on the team. I'm including McCaffrey in this, maybe as the most talented. But don't forget about DJ Moore, who's great. Uh, Robbie Anderson, who they just acquired. Curtis Samuel, who's a decent uh, target. And Ian Thomas uh, on that team. So all those guys, uh, they, they lead me to believe that uh, Bridgewater and the offensive performance on Carolina should be better than a lot of people think they will. They also uh, ended up hiring the highly regarded offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, uh, who happens to be uh, the same guy who, uh, who had a very successful college year uh, with, you know who, Sean? LSU, the national champions. Exactly. So not a bad, uh, not a bad thing to have on your resume, right? Yeah. Uh, and they're in a division full of shootout games. Anyone who they're going to play against, shootout games. Uh, so quarterback twenty-six. I think this is another sleeper candidate. I wouldn't really recommend him for your redraft one quarterback league, but obviously for a uh, two quarterback in a late drafting position, I, I think that he's a good guy as well. You guys can shoot me down if you want. Any thoughts on Bridgewater? I'll let you go first, Jason. You know I'm. It's nice to see Teddy uh, have his own team. He was very highly touted in Minnesota back when he was the starter there. So I'm glad that he's getting another chance to start. And I've got him on a fantasy team uh, where I need him to do well. It's a deeper league and it's a two-quarterback <laughs> league. So uh, I'm kind of counting on Teddy being valuable this year. So take my what I have to say with a grain of salt. But um, I think that there is a very good receiving group uh, there in Carolina. I just I have no idea what to expect from Teddy Bridgewater. That's fair. I think he has a lot of potential, but I don't know where it's going to go. So that means it's very wide open for yep. me. Yep. Yep. Variable sounds that sounds accurate. Yeah. Sure. I I think I I slightly disagree with your statement on the 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 Panthers defense. Um they were the worst defense against running backs in the NFL last year, worst run defense. 
Uh, and they shored that up in the NFL draft with Derek Brown from Auburn and Yatur Gross Matos on the defensive end, I think, from Penn State. Um, they're going to lose Luke Keekley, which doesn't help. But um, I do think they're going to be a little better against the run. But I agree with you that Bridgewater at um, – you know, what was the place he's ranked right now? Uh, so ECR uh, for Bridgewater is currently 26, QB 26. That's too the weapons are too good, and I think Brady has kind of a – he has a scheme that wants to put a lot of pressure on the defense, and I think mm-hmm. that, um, you know, with the weapons they've got around him, it's going to be hard for him to finish that low. You know, Because um, I think they are going to be a bad team, and I think they're going to have to throw a lot. I don't think it's going to be – I think they're probably a six-win team. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure, and there's no there's no coincidence why uh, the two quarterbacks that I picked happen to have, in my opinion – uh, a worse defense than they did last year because I think that's a good indicator of having to throw more if uh, if you're not able to hold off the other team scoring. But I do appreciate the insight about the draft and uh, and the stopping the run defense. I was you know mostly referring to Keekley and some of the bigger names uh, that uh, that have um, you know two ships in the night. Uh, let's talk about running backs. So you mentioned this guy earlier, Joshua Kelly. Uh, Eckler. Let's talk about Eckler. Never exceeded 12 carries in a game with Gordon in it, with Melvin Gordon in it. So that's an interesting stat, uh, one that I think Jason uh, kind of likes, considering uh, some of the uh, information that I saw uh, later in the podcast about Will Fuller, same kind of uh, uh, of a way to address a player. Um, Kelly is a, is a big back that should take over some early goal line work over the course of the season, if not all of it. And you already mentioned all of this. So I like Kelly, but it doesn't matter if he doesn't take over the whole job. He'll still be better than RB fifty four. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it feels like free money uh, where he's being put. I think, I think when I wrote my um, my buy or sell article, he was being drafted as RB sixty four, which is eight spots ahead of where Justin Jackson finished last year with like four hundred scrimmage yards. I mean, it was like it doesn't take much nice. to finish where he's being drafted. Uh, if he's able to even find eight to ten touches a week, he's going to outproduce what he's being, you know, where he's being drafted. Yep. Uh, I think he'll get more than that. I think he's going to be certainly a valuable piece of their run game. And like, I don't, I just don't think Eckler is built to be um, an every down back. And I think I mentioned there's only a handful of games last year where he averaged more than three yards a carry, let alone even four. You know what I mean? when he was the the full workhorse back like he just doesn't do well with with a lot of carries when you talk about hard a, you talk about hard knocks uh uh the the coaches were a couple times during hard knocks talking about Eckler looking at tape of him the previous years and they were like if there wasn't a fourth preseason game we never would have even kept him on the team this guy is kind of like a like a magical torch where you don't know how it's lit but it's lit somehow i love the leap yeah. drill they did with him that was so cool yeah. he had over like no, I mean, five no of those things his career is a triumph. I mean, the guy's had an amazing career already for being an undrafted kid out of Northern Colorado. Um, you know, he's been he's been tremendous. But like I said, I don't think he's built to handle ha! a ha! McCaffrey-like workload. He went to Western State in Colorado. Okay. Ah! <laughs> I, was, I was very close. It was a small school in Colorado. I was very close. See, there's that, there's that 10% like even Sean misses sometimes. Oh, my God. But he was close. It happened. It happened. I if think, I didn't have his player page open to check on that, 
I would never have gotten you. Sean. He should have at least like fifty percent credit for that one. But let's let's move on. We have some more things to discuss, so I'll try to be quicker. Chris Thompson. We talked about Chris Thompson earlier. I think Thompson is an absolute stud PPR asset on teams. The coach likes him. Who doesn't like Chris Thompson? The problem is he gets injured quickly, kind of uh, uh, like any guy of a, of a lesser build who's a PPR guy in those offenses in the NFL. Um, but uh, it looks like those boxes are currently checked. PPR asset um, you know, has a role for the 2020 season. He's the RB47. This is half PPR. Uh, I, I feel like he's going to do better than that, but it depends on how long he's able to play football. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it always depends on whether or not you can stay on the field. He has only played 16 games once in his career, so that's a big deal. Yeah, and well, he's played for seven years now. That's it. So, yeah. obviously, early on in his career, he's not getting a lot of chances to play, but uh, once he started playing in 15, you know, he only had one season of 16 games. Um, Boston Scott, I'm, I'm still not buying into Miles Sanders being the guy who gets all the touches in that offense. I feel like it's going to be a little bit more of a shared backfield. I don't think that they trust Miles Sanders to be a guy to go out there for every single touch. Um, Scott did well to close out the 2019 season. I feel like he's going to have a, a bunch of receptions and a lot of touches in general in the offense. Not as many as Sanders, but people will be surprised that drafted Sanders as early as his ECR dictates. Uh, Boston Scott's ECR of RB46 is way too low on a team where I think Miles Sanders will only be getting uh, a max of, you know, let's say uh, uh, 10 to 15 touches per game. They're not all going to go to Sanders. So I, I've i been someone who's been way off of Sanders saying, you know what, they're going to bring someone in. He's going to be splitting. Someone's taking the early down work from him. But from what I've seen, what the Eagles have done, it's been different than years past. Uh, years past, they've always been kind of a, a team that wants to separate out those roles where we've got our early down banger, we've got our passing down back. Uh, they wanted to have guys who had differentiated roles that they would use that way. But right now, you look at what they did. They picked up Jason Huntley off of waivers from Detroit. Detroit cut him. They added him to their active roster. And you look at Boston Scott and you look at Miles Sanders. These guys are interchangeable from a skill set standpoint. Sanders is probably the best one. There are flaws to his game. But these aren't guys who do something different that he doesn't do. I think there's a real chance he ends up being the, the clear-cut front runner. And when you say 10 to 15 touches a game max, I think you're underselling him at least a little bit. I think um, he probably ends up in – a little above 15 per game, but I'm still with you. I think the Eagles still mix it up and get Scott involved, but this does look like a different approach at the running back position than we've seen from the rest of, uh, you know, their current uh, from Peterson's run as head coach there. I can appreciate that. I, 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 I'm glad you agree a little bit in that. Like, I don't think this guy will suddenly become a super bell cow back, you know, getting 20, 25 touches a game. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but, but all right, I guess we'll see. The, uh, the the whole point of these, of course, is that they're sleeper candidates where if someone gets injured or uh, if, if somebody doesn't get the kind of, of workload that uh, he's predicted for, uh, could be way better than their draft position. But it's tough. Boston Scott's a tough one because he did well at the end of last year. But how many times can we say that about someone and then it turns into nothing the following year? All the time. <laughs> 
Boston Scott could never be heard of again from fantasy footballers. You know, it's uh, it's it's tough out there. Uh, last guy is Antonio Gibson. So Swiss Army knife in quotations, as referred to by the Washington uh, VP of Player Personnel, Kyle Smith. Uh, supposedly will be lining up all over the field. Uh, clearly the guy who has the path to RB1 right now. Uh, but the team has so much turmoil at the position and turmoil in the organization and just turmoil in general, it's tough to predict a guy like that being particularly good. Now, when I look at the ECR, I actually submitted these picks a long time ago to Fantasy Pros, but he's moved up now to something like uh, uh, in the 30s. So clearly people are looking at him now as more of a number one guy. Uh, and I could, you could say at this point that that's, that's an overshoot maybe. Uh, do you, so for this, this competition in terms of uh, against other people ranking these, do you get credit for where his ECR was when you picked him or where it is now? You know, the deadline is tomorrow at like 3 PM. So I'm not quite sure yet. It's but, probably wherever it is tomorrow at the deadline. Yeah. Well, you're not supposed to even be able to pick someone, uh, over the running back outside of top 45. So because I so have picked him already, he's he already counts? in there. Yeah. Oh, so, so just leave him. I don't know what they'll do with that, but like he moved up a lot is what I'm saying. He was like RB 68 and now he's like 30. So, but clearly that's because Adrian Peterson got traded and the news that came out and all of that goodness. Hey, uh, it take cut. it. Sometimes you can win <laughs> on a technicality. You're, you're right. Still technically cut. correct. Traded to the, traded to the free agent. Yeah. <laughs> it's harder so to predict I, these I, things early on. Yeah, yeah. I think the one thing, one of the big things Gibson has going for him um, is, like we've said, is his versatility that he was used as a receiver a lot in college. And also when you look at that Washington depth chart at receiver, so obviously running back, there's opportunity there. But at receiver, after Terry McLaurin, you've got Steven Sims and then maybe Antonio Gandy-Golden, the yeah, rookie. Yeah, they even cut Trey, Trey Quinn. Who looked yeah. like he was going to be like a slot guy, but then did uh, amounted to nothing. So there's Didn't no, there's no, right? yeah, there's nobody out there. So I agree with you. They're going to use these people all over the place. They don't have the personnel. Personally, that's going to be kind of the next big thing I think that you're going to see in the NFL. These guys that can play slot receiver, that can play running back, they can do a little bit of everything. The league tried to do it years ago with Dexter McCluster, with DeAnthony Thomas, and it just didn't work. I feel like this next wave of guys who can do that might be better suited. You saw the same thing at quarterback, Dante Culpepper years ago. And Culpepper. now that's kind of the guy. That's what you see is guys who can run guys who can throw is, is the new wave. That's the prototype. Now I think you're going to start seeing that where those, these Swiss army knife players become more of a prototype that teams target. Yeah. Uh, oh, so I'll tell you what, so we, we have another segment here, so I'm going to try to be even quicker and here's what I'll do. I'll go over, all of the wide receivers, you guys give me any comments you have. I know you'll have some because one of the guys in here is Sammy Watkins. The other one's Antonio Brown. So <laughs> just give, give me a moment and then uh, uh, give me your comments. So Brian Edwards, number one. Uh, the news out on Edwards already. Should be scoring touchdowns from week one or two. That's what I think. 6'3", 215. Uh, maybe the best target there. Obviously, Ruggs is a super fast uh, you know, uh, field spreader, but not the kind of receiver that Edwards is. Uh, with the news coming out that Edwards is already going to start as uh, that number one or number two guy, however their offense runs, it looks to me like he's going to be the target of choice this year in Oakland. And it's, for the quarterback, I mean, who else is easier to throw to than the big, tall uh, guy who's able to catch uh, contested catches? Um, he's a WR75. Now, Sammy Watkins, last year Watkins was the WR1 in the first week. You guys remember that? 
Yeah, three touchdowns. 37 points. Tournament, and it was phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> Did you win a bunch of money in FanDuel or something? No, it was a season long tournament, so it was a great week one that just downhill. Wow. <laughs> well, he scored 37.8 points. Uh, I'm not sure if that's standard or PPR, uh, but averaged 3.7 points per game the rest of the season. Now, a lot of people said perhaps he was injured, perhaps there were other issues, uh, perhaps there were lizard men or abductions. We don't really know what happened to Sammy. Uh, it probably is more likely the lizard men or abductions than the injuries. But uh, point is, he's still the WR2 for the freaking Chiefs. It's ridiculous that he didn't score more points during the season. And I still believe that Sammy Watkins uh, will do better than he did last year. Now, I don't know if he'll get back to his 1,000 yards and 8 or 10 touchdowns that, that he did when he semi-broke out his uh, his second or third year in the league. But I have a I have a firm belief that he's going to do a lot better this particular year, and the Chiefs are just on fire. So what a good place to be. Um, it, it hold your comments, Michael Pittman Jr. Dude had 1,200 plus yards, 100 plus receptions, 11 touchdowns as a senior at USC, which Sean knows. I'm sure <laughs> he's all about that. He'll enter as the WR2 and fight for balls with Paris Campbell. So it's Paris Campbell versus Michael Pittman for the most part to who's going to be the number two guy over there. But if he wins the fight. He should be peppered with targets this year. And look at like Zach Pascal, for example, at the end of last year, you know, when he was he was going in there and there were so many injuries on, on the Colts. I feel like uh, that's a good indicator of how either Pittman or Campbell could perform after winning the gig. I'm not sure who's going to win it, but this guy's WR64 and has the possibility of being a guy that could be, as a rookie, um, you know, 800-plus, six-plus touchdowns. Uh, last guy, Antonio Brown being drafted I've heard at, of him. as if he'll never have a team at WR128 right now, ECR. So you're saying not being drafted? Uh, yeah, if you if you have a, a deep enough league where you have like 12 wide receivers, 13 wide receivers, then uh, maybe we should talk about you know other things you could do as a hobby that might be able to... It sounds like he's being drafted as a joke. <laughs> Look... Uh, his legal issues have been resolved, uh, according to the league, and Seahawks or the Packers sign Brown, he will rocket up the rankings. Imagine if the Packers grab Antonio Brown. It's that would in, be pretty insane. It's insane. Would Seattle do that after signing Josh Gordon, though? Uh, maybe, maybe they... Yeah, because Josh Gordon is going to last for, like, two weeks. <laughs> if they just have both of them, then they can, like, alternate them when their legal problems are, you know... Oh, that's a good call. <laughs> Seattle has had Gordon in the past. I mean, this is the second time that he signed with Seattle, which makes me think that they know him well enough that they trust that he's going to be available this no year. No one trusts Josh Gordon. He's Yeah, it would be absurd to like trust that he'll be available. And nobody and, and, and yet you trust Antonio Brown. I don't. What I'm saying is he is 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 unlike Josh Gordon has a bigger uh body of work and clearly perhaps uh, one of the top five wide receivers of all time in the game of football. So to come back, uh, which he is trying to do, and be signed to any team, he's going to be the guy there. You know what I mean? Like, Did they announce an official suspension? Do we know how long he's out for this I, year? I don't think there is a suspension until such time as he comes back to the league. Right. I think he has to get signed before they suspend him. I would think it would be a six-game suspension. They but... can probably get, like, uh, yeah, like a ballpark. But there's not going to be anything official, I think, until he's on a team. So my point oh, is... No, you're actually incorrect. July 31st, it was announced he suspended eight games. Uh, please. Be here no matter where he signs. 
Okay. Well, well, fair enough. Okay. I I'll have to look at that. I didn't I didn't know you could suspend people that aren't in the league. I like, think I think it the games may start counting when he signs. Oh. Right. I don't think they can count against you if you're a free agent. Yeah. But it's an eight-game suspension is what he got, according to, uh, according to NFL.com. Okay. Well, Sounds official. Well, fair enough. Sounds official. Still, if Antonio Brown gets signed to the Packers, uh, he can make up in six games what some people could never do in their careers. Um, let's talk about tight ends. Eric Ebron, uh, my comment is just, Heath, it's about time that Big Ben has someone <laughs> who is actually able to be out there to score touchdowns that is not as uh, as They're fragile uh, as uh, Vance McDonald. So uh, Ebron has also had issues, but Ebron is maybe the best tight end that they've had there since Heath Miller, or arguably ever, depending on how you feel about Miller uh, in the long run. Uh, I think that Ebron has the possibility on the Steelers offense this year that looks really good of breaking out into the top 10. He's a tight end 21 ECR right now, so I think that's a pretty good ranking for him. Uh, Jonu Smith with Delaney Walker out of the picture. Smith is the second target out there after A.J. Brown. I'm sorry, Sean, but uh, uh, Corey Davis is just not in the picture anymore. He's uh, We developed the picture a bunch of times. We couldn't find him. He wasn't He's like there. one of those creepy ghosts that doesn't appear in the picture. We're, we're talking. And he realized that Corey Davis was dead the entire time. We're <laughs> oh, look at that. We're... So represent the school. I'm wearing, I'm wearing a Western Michigan fleece. I will not take the Corey Davis slander right now. <laughs> uh, Dave, I have uh, bad news for you on the Antonio Brown uh, front. He just retired again. No, he didn't. He just retired. Oh, wait, no, he's back. Yep, he's back. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're talking touchdowns for Jonu Smith, right? He's, uh, no, he just retired again. He, he's back. Uh, <laughs> the only issue is Tannehill's previous use of tight ends, which is not very ideal, man, uh, as the Big Lebowski uh, would say. Tight end 16, uh, Jonu Smith, and uh, defense, Philadelphia Eagles is who I am going with here. Now listen, seventh most defensive scores last year, third best run defense, Eagles went heavy on defense when cutting players. They picked more defensive players uh, than they normally do. And they added Darius Slay, who's a shutdown corner in the league. They did lose Malcolm Jenkins, but I really like what they did in this offseason. And I especially like where they start off in week one. But I think that the Philadelphia Eagles will end up being like number six or seven in our defenses at the end of the year. And they're currently being drafted as 11. So I don't give them a whole lot of wiggle room here. I, I understand that as a sleeper, that's a little rough to draft them directly out of the top 10 uh but i think the eagles are warranted as a pick instead of another team like maybe you pick the kansas city chiefs because uh that's what's on the top of your draft board but man the chiefs are going to play some teams where they're going to lose points you know what i mean like uh there are there are some teams out there that are just not going to do as well as predicted so uh comments on on those guys and uh, we can move on to the the last section of this evening one thing sticks out to me as I'm on Antonio Brown's pro football reference page <laughs> is that one of his nicknames is Ronald Ocean Ro I've never heard of Ronald Ocean Ronald Ocean is he uh, a jet a New York jet is that a is that a jet I is he already playing football is he like a linebacker right now like what's happening let's see what Google tells me about Ronald <laughs> Ocean you know well, uh, I, I, defensive back for the I'm Chiefs. Very... Ronald Ocean. I'm, um, I am very on board with Brian Edwards being a sleeper for you. I'm very off uh, of Antonio Brown. I'm I, get, off. I get it. I, I get it. Enough this year to be worthwhile. <laughs> I'm also off on Michael Pittman. I don't think he's going to beat out 
Paris Campbell for the number two in the pecking order in Indy. Uh, one guy that you didn't include in yours that I think you're going to regret not including because someone out there is going to do it is Auden Tate from the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Um, we already know that A.J. Green consistently hasn't been healthy the last few years. Um, and Tate was probably the star of Bengals camp this year. He's going to open the year in three wide receiver sets starting for that team. Uh, and he's being drafted as like wide receiver 90. Um, that's a guy who's going to get someone a lot of points when he finishes in the top 40 or 50 wide receivers. I, I, I will see it. Right. But I, I can't, uh, I can't get behind WR three on Joe Burrow's team as a rookie. As a Bengal. <laughs> I just can't do it. Too much of a Steelers fan. <laughs> he got at least three of his pass catchers drafted. Oh, my gosh. No, I I, I think, I honestly think that A.J. Green is going to have, uh, you know, a, a year where he actually catches passes in actual football games. What I a bold prediction here. Are correct. I hope you are correct. <laughs> do you have A.J. Green on your dynasty team? I do. Still, All right. Yeah, I've been sitting bit yeah cheers to using aj green you know once once or twice in like a year or two maybe even starting (laughs) fair fair So I'm going to burn down your fantasy hopes for week one. Oh, my God. You all drafted teams, and you think that you know what your starters are going to be. But I'm going to tell you, uh, not five guys necessarily exactly, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you some things that you shouldn't do in week one. First thing that I don't think you should do is start Le'Veon Bell. He's going to bust out week one. Uh, I, I can't imagine that there's ever been a greater disparity between a very talented player and a coach who just doesn't want to start him for no fucking reason. <laughs> I so. think we need to clarify, though, the difference between bust and bust out. Because when you say bust out, I think of, like, breakout in a positive no, way. No, no, no. I mean bust as in he's going to break your fantasy team for week one. <laughs> and you're going to get a loss. You're going to start 0-1 if you do these things. <laughs> if you have a team with all that. these players. <laughs> I do agree on Le'Veon, yeah. Don't, okay. Don't play him. So uh, an interesting thing I saw today, I was watching Jeff Fisher on a segment called Slow News Day on The Ringer, and he said, uh, he was like, what's the one thing that you think is going to stand out to you with no practice going on, really, the team's not able to hit each other? Um, And he said, there's going to be a lot of balls on the ground. It's hard to hang on to that brown thing. Oh, fumbles. So he thinks there's going to be a lot of fumbles this week. My prediction this week is that Le'Veon Bell fumbles the ball twice, that he's benched, and that Frank Gore will lead the Jets in carries in week one. Dude, even if Even if he doesn't do the fumbling, <laughs> which I admit is, you know, is a stretch, I still think Frank Gore will lead the Jets in carries this week. Oh, my goodness. Because Adam Frank Gase Gore loves- is the endless one, and Adam Gase loves him. Yep. Frank Gore. So hope that Le'Veon Bell has better weeks ahead. Hope that he gets traded to a team that actually wants him on the team, and maybe you'll you know have a better fantasy time later in the year. But I hope you didn't draft Le'Veon Bell because I don't think it's going to work out for you. 
Um, so, <laughs> I, I don't think anybody can disagree with sitting a jet. You know, that, that may not be the boldest of predictions, but they get bolder as I go along. Trust me. Okay. So, I think that everyone except for Christian McCaffrey and Josh Jacobs in the Oakland-Carolina game should be benched. I mean, I love DJ Moore, but I, other than that, I agree with you. DJ Moore, with his first week with a new quarterback, I think that that's sketchy. <laughs> and even Darren Waller, who is good and produced a lot last year, he's going up against a team who gave up the seventh fewest pe- fantasy points to opposing tight ends last year. So I think that he's a risky start at best. Um, if you drafted Darren Waller, you probably drafted another guy as backup, like a Jack Doyle or something like that. Uh, it may be an okay time to go ahead and fire him up. Um, but I, I would assume that McCaffrey and Jacobs are going to have at least 60% of the offense in this game, if not more. It is just going to be lots of each of them. Your 60% number is absurd. These are very bold <laughs> predictions it's, already. I dude, like it's going to be a lot. Trust me. It's going to be a lot. So, so I mean... I, Josh Jacobs barely plays more than 60% of the snaps for the Raiders. He played 70% once last season. Uh, and I think this game has a better shot of being a shootout than you think. Both of these teams are going to be able to throw the ball. Uh, the secondaries on both sides are not great. Um, Derek Carr obviously knows the offense inside now, and, and their new weapons can play. Ruggs and Edwards and Ren- and then you throw in Renfro and Waller who are there. They can all catch the ball. And on the other side, Bridgewater's not some just scrub they're throwing in there. Bridgewater has started for the Vikings in years past, and they've got great weapons with obviously McCaffrey will do plenty, but DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Ian Thomas, these guys are going to catch the football. Robbie Anderson, there's going to be a lot more offense in the passing game than you're giving either of these teams credit for. I think this is going to be more of a wide-open game than you think it will be. Your punishment is that you have to watch this whole game from start to finish. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Joe Brady put pressure on the other team. He's going to do it. Your your point is well taken, Sean. Uh, I'm going to stand by my uh, (laughs) assumption that this game is going to be all McCaffrey and Jacobs, and there's not enough left over for the others. Um, So Leonard Fournette in New Orleans – he was going off the board as the number 20 running back in half PPR, which, by the way, is our new official scoring format. We have switched our fantasy league to that. Uh, when we are defaulting to fantasy scoring, I believe we'll be sticking with half point PPR this year. Correct, Dave? Yeah, screw standard leagues. All right. I'll drink to that. Um, so you may be fooled into thinking that Fournette's at least worth a flex start, but I don't agree with that. Right now, he is behind Ronald Jones and LaShawn McCoy on the depth chart. Uh, you have to wait for Jones to blow a protection and get Brady sacked, which is a felony in Tampa, and McCoy to show that he is not Frank Gore and that McCoy is only going to last for a week <laughs> or two. So Fournette will be fine later in the year, not this week. You guys you guys agree with me? Are you going to start Fournette I anywhere? Disagree. I disagree with him being behind LaShawn McCoy in the depth chart. He's not. And well, I mean, be literally in the depth chart they list is has him behind McCoy. It's been it's like Bruce Arians is kind of it's been kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth with Rojo and Fournette, but I think whoever gets the hot hand early is the guy who carries the load in this game. I think whoever Brady likes, yeah. I think whoever Brady likes is going to wind up being the person who plays the most. I don't. I I don't. Fournette. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dave. I was just going to say that I don't think it's. uh, 
I don't think it's okay uh, to accept any official depth charts that come out from any of these teams right now because they're just made by people that are interns that like do their website. I, I'm I'm pretty sure. No, that... the teams have to submit a, a depth yeah, and chart. Yeah, it to doesn't the NFL. it doesn't matter what they submit. It doesn't have to be true information. I, I I don't think it's interns because you'll see teams that'll give kind of their veteran leadership guys that may not be their best player the starting nod. That's not what I mean. That. I I mean I'm it sure the, have some input in it. It's not interns. I mean it has no ba- it has no basis in reality. Don't yeah exactly. Don't <laughs> play out on the field. It's the coach speak that comes across from the preseason where they're like Lashawn McCoy, we love you, man. Like you know you're fantastic. Just uh, don't do do gang stuff. Don't do gang stuff. Don't do gangsta. <laughs> Don't beat anyone up in a nightclub. Okay. All right, let's get a little bit bolder here. So I think that you should sit Will Fuller, who is playing tomorrow night for Houston in Kansas City. Now, if Brandon Cooks doesn't even play, then I guess you got to start him because there's no one else to start. But Fuller is entering this season. I assume he's the number one guy, right? So the number it's not one be Cooks. The number one receiver there should be Cooks and Fuller at number two. I wouldn't. I mean, okay. I guess we have to trust the depth chart for that one. <laughs> so No, Cooks has I, better I, stats over his I, career than Fuller does. I believe in whichever Texans receiver avoids both Marcus Peters. Wait, is it Peters? <laughs> he's, no, he's in Baltimore now, isn't he? Peters has been gone forever. I'm sorry. That was a Stephen A. Smith moment for me right there. Uh, in Kansas no, City, they've got uh, Antonio Hamilton and Rashad Fenton at cornerback. Never mind avoiding anyone there. Never and Tyron yeah, Matthew um, and Daniel Sorensen at uh, so safeties. So the guy who honestly worry me is Cobb, who goes against the safeties, who goes against Matthew and Sorensen. Um, I would say both Fuller and – I mean, assuming Cooks doesn't play, both Fuller and Kenny Stills on the outside should be reasonable options. Okay, so let me get to my reason why I don't like Fuller. I just think it's going to be some growing pains with him. It's not that he's bad. It's not that he's going to be bad this year. But Fuller has never played in a game in the NFL without DeAndre Hopkins also being there. So I think that, uh, you know, he's going to go from never receiving a lot of attention to receiving the most attention on the field this week. And that is going to throw him off. And he's not going to be ready for it. The Chiefs gave up the second fewest points to opposing wide receivers last year. And they're going to be all fired up. They just won the Super Bowl seven months ago. I say steer clear of Will Fuller this week. Let the Texans find their groove, and Will Fuller will be fine later in the year, provided he stays healthy. I I think that's a little bit of a, a stretch. I think that – I mean, Fuller hasn't played without Hopkins, but he also has never played a game with Brandon Cooks. He's never played a game with Randall Cobb. Those guys may take enough attention off of him to help him out. I mean, there's plenty of guys you could make that case. Those I guys mean, can't carry the jockstrap of DeAndre Hopkins. Of course no, of course not. But to to basically say, hey, Fuller's <laughs> never played without Hopkins is no different than saying Aaron Jones has never played without Aaron Rodgers. You know, or like there's things like, like Fuller's still only... No no no. I'm I'm comparing Fuller's positional like mean Fuller's still a badass that has gotten all kinds of long touchdowns that people would, would not have caught up to him regardless. You know, there is but I know what you're saying. I think it's valid what you're saying, man. Talent around him that it's not like the def- defense is going to be solely focused. What he's on saying talent. is they're not the Jets, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't like that the one, Chiefs, then you're gonna then you're gonna not like this one a lot. You know, the Chiefs don't have a lockdown corner to contain him. You know what I mean? 
Okay, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know that you need a lockdown guy. I think a, a, a simple double team might be all it takes. Fuller He's Fuller blows past everybody. That's his whole mo. But I know what you're saying, and I and I don't disagree with yeah, you. Yeah, but if they double cover him, then he's not going to be burning past anyone because he'll always keep someone over the top. I mean, he burned past guys last year when they double covered him, and then he just dropped three balls in the same game after getting behind everyone. Do you have Will Fuller anywhere? I think I did draft him somewhere, and I you know I didn't even look at the team to see if I'm going to start. Maybe I should write this column every week and like actually put my money where my wealth is. No, it's it's and start or not start these players. So so when we talk about uh uh statistics or information that can point you in one direction or another, I think what you said is absolutely true and there's no way that, that anyone could refute the things that you said. And I don't disagree with you. Yeah, I'm going to find it hard not to start Fuller if Cooks doesn't start, but I would start Cooks over Fuller if they both start in a league. That's all I'm saying to you. So um if if there is only Fuller out there, like you know, there's no chance that Deshaun Watson doesn't try three times to get a 99 yard touchdown. For <laughs> That's all I'm saying. So my bold bust <laughs> of the week is Derrick Henry playing in Denver. So notoriously, he is a slow starter. Last year he had a good uh, game, but other than last year's game, he has not cracked 26 rushing yards in the first game of a season. He hasn't cracked 100 rushing yards before week four at any point in his career. Um, He had a good showing last year, as I said, but that was against Cleveland. So this year they faced the Broncos, and the Broncos don't have their pass rushers, which they had expected to have uh, just a few weeks ago. So I think that you're going to see Ryan Tannehill kind of open it up, kind of say, see, I was comeback player of the year, now I can be MVP. That's what he's going to think in his mind anyways. I don't think Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill is going to be MVP of anything other than maybe like taking the garbage out at his house. Uh, so I assume that if you drafted Derrick Henry, you drafted him too high to care about anything I have to say about him right now. However, avoid him in daily fantasy. And remember, when he only scores eight points, that I told you so. But he only has one dread, man. He is unidread. Yeah. I'll say this for what you were just kind of mentioning about Henry versus the the he did play Denver last year and he put up 15 carries for 28 yards and one catch for five. Oh, that's a good line. I wasn't expecting yeah. you to help me on this one. Thank you. <laughs> Look, I mean, we'll, we'll end with some uh, some unity here. I did see that Browns game and the majority of his points came on a 75 yard screen pass. Um but he also he ran pretty well. He had like well. two yeah. touchdowns and 150 yards. I mean, it's it's impossible to say like uh, like Henry is getting his points uh, in ways that are not uh, uh, worked at, right? Because because the guy had like 15 touchdowns and tons of yards, so he he gets the yardage, however he gets it. But I I yeah. think it's interesting to note that he didn't do well against Denver last year. Also, that was a game where they got shut out. I bet you that that was Marcus Mariota's. Last game of the year. Oh, if that's... That was the game where they switched to Tannehill mid-game. If that's yes. correct, then... They that... started 2-4 and four last year. That game can't be counted for for individual player stats then because it's a weird it's a weird game. Sure, it's one that you would normally throw out. A receiver, a running back would be... His stats would hold up more than a receiver if you switch quarterback mid-game. No? Maybe, maybe. Uh, sure. You'd think so. Sure. 
Especially if you're bringing in a backup quarterback, they're going to respect the pass even less. I personally, uh, I, I like the the possibility of, of Derrick Henry doing what he did before, but feel like he may be one of these guys that, that is unable to uh, to have prolonged, uh, uh, very high fantasy stats in his NFL career. Um, but he's such a big dude, and he has, he has one dread. Just one. <laughs> One's all you need, I guess. <laughs> I just love that thing. I can't imagine. I don't understand why people don't just tackle him with the dread. It doesn't make any sense. You have to, to catch me. him first. <laughs> He's not that fast. He's faster than the people who are chasing him. <laughs> That's okay. Fair. Or they. For size, the man is very fast. Okay. Yes. 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 <laughs> you, once you get up to him, you're like, "How do I tackle this?" That's the thing. You're just. So they don't want to be the guy who's on the like NFL films, just like hanging from the back of. I, I don't think it. Might, I think somebody has probably tried it and it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. That maybe it bites them. I don't know. It's... I don't know how dreads work. Okay, so, uh, so I I I like some of those, and you know what? Um, it's I don't think that as uh, uh, as people listening to your particular sits. Um, that Sean and I, for example, as as people who may have those players on our team, should feel good about that. But what you should would uh, you uh, shouldn't feel good when your player isn't going to do well. <laughs> I mean, I'm not doing this to like make you guys feel cheery. I'm doing this to warn you of impending doom. So clearly, we we need to uh, keep track of some of these things. Uh, next week, we can come back and see and see how. His sits did, and if they're if you're across the board, I will board, gladly accept a week one report card. Look, if you even get half of these as sits, now what would you consider to be a sit? And for the most part, uh, getting half of a fantasy projection, um, like what what would you consider to be a sit? Uh, well, typically you would just kind of look at the value over replacement player. So if like the you if the if the RB twenty or WR thirty for the week scored better than what your guy scored then you probably should have sat him. Now, if you had no other options on the bench, then you need to look at your team. But if your guy isn't scoring well enough to get in, like, the generic top 20 or 30, then they probably shouldn't be... Then you don't want him to start. You want to try out someone else. You have a couple studs on that list, which is is hard to say, sit your studs. But um, as we have been in, in this industry for a little while now... Uh, using that advice at the very beginning of our careers in uh, in fantasy, saying you know start your studs, start your studs. Well, I've I've been in enough games to understand that sometimes that that advice is is silly and without merit. You can sometimes pick out when they're not going to have the greatest game. It's tough. And it's a hard thing to do. Which will you feel? Would you feel worse about sitting a player like Derrick Henry when he scores thirty? Or playing him when he scores five. <laughs> but of course, when you play him and he scores five, you say, well, I'm going to start him every week anyways. And I can see the point that yeah. you drafted Derrick Henry in the first round and you're not going to sit your first round pick in week one. And it depends then if you if you had just drafted three running backs in a row and you're going to play your RB3 where he's somebody who's still going to score 11, 12 points. Uh, or if he's... If you just have two up top and then you draft four wide receivers, a quarterback, and a tight end, and your next running back is Tariq Cohen. Yeah, don't start Tariq Cohen, especially with David <laughs> Montgomery playing this week. So, anyways, um, you know, avoid him and avoid Derrick Henry in daily fantasy is the it, the very least of the information, the advice I can give you guys. I'm interested, and I think Sean and I disagree with Will Fuller, but I like what you brought up, uh, uh, all the points that you have. Uh, I'm going to think twice about starting him uh, this week. I appreciate it. Yeah. 
So um, I believe that's all we got for tonight. I make that sound like that's all we got, as if there's so much more. Uh, thank you for all of your time. Thank you for listening to us. Uh, thank you for joining us at the very beginning of the season. I hope that you're here with us all season long. I know that I will be here with Dave all season long to do an excellent show every night. We're going to be on YouTube in the upcoming weeks. Uh, we'll be back next week on Wednesday to talk about um, how good or terrible my week one bus predictions are. <laughs> you know, what I love most about these kinds of shows is being able to follow up. So uh, I'm going to love that. I think we should keep ourselves accountable at least a little bit uh, when, sure. we, when we do things like this. And I think every week, either you or I should do something like this. And granted, I, I have rankings out there, right? But I could always be like, eh, well, you know, uh, regression to the mean. <laughs> of course, it's always a thing. If you actually pick someone and say, he's not going to do well, that's a much firmer stance. <laughs> I think it's tough. It, it was tough to like... Because I didn't want to just pick like guys who you probably weren't going to start anyways. Like that's not fun. I was I wanted I picked good I put big names here. Yeah. And it's not like your whole team is going to be full of these guys. I hope not. That would be an unfortunate team to have drafted. <laughs> that's too I'll many say, I'll running backs. Throwing my own for week one, Amari Cooper. We talked about him. Yeah. Bust. Yeah. Amari Cooper. No. That is worthy of the uh, of the level of bus that I was talking about. Oh, I like it. Guys. So Sean, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for all the hard work you do every week in, in educating us about rookies. And, um, no, thank you for me. it's always a pleasure. Uh, yeah, always, always a good time to jump in. I'm sure I'll be back here you know, at some point during the season, maybe even in person, but cheers, buddy. Perhaps. Thank you for cheers. joining us.